Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Good evening and welcome to Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I'm so glad that you've joined. We're going to be talking about something so basic tonight, but I recognize that not everybody understands what might be called healthy love. So tonight we're going to talk about what is healthy love. Seems like it should be obvious, but it really isn't. So we're going to dive deeply into that. And if you're joining me for the first time tonight, welcome. I'm so glad you found me. And if you're returning, I hope you found value and it brought you back. And I'm delighted that it did. If you want to know more about my work or you can go to or more about the podcast, you can go to SaveYourSanityPodcast.com, where there's over 250 episodes for you, and you can choose whatever it is you need to know at the moment. If you'd like to know more about my work, you'll find me at 4RelationshipHelp.com, F-O-R, RelationshipHelp.com. And if you find value and you would like to be a supporter, go to patreon.com slash save your sanity, patreon.com slash save your sanity. <clears throat> so tonight, what is healthy love? Now, you may already have some great ideas about it, things that you aspire to, or you may have some things that you erroneously think are healthy love. Or you're getting some love, but definitely not enough. And you deserve to have more love. So where did we get our context for love? Well, right from the time we were born, we were learning about it. We were learning about it from our parents primarily, our siblings, other family members, um, maybe from our spiritual pursuits, maybe from outside relationships or schools or organizations. And then, aside from all that, we got the context that we saw on television or in the movies or in books or in other people's houses when we visited. So we get a lot of input about what love is and what it is to us and how we experienced it. But was it healthy? Well, we're going to figure that out. And one of the hallmarks of having healthy love is that you felt cherished and safe. Cherished and safe. We could feel safe enough because we had food or roof over our head or enough money or things that allowed us not to feel like we were lacking. But did we feel safe emotionally? Did we feel cherished? Did we feel seen? Did we feel heard? Did we feel known? Did we feel acknowledged? Did we feel 
appreciated? Do we feel accepted? All of those things are things that I talk about in my book, Kaizen for Couples, that relate to how you would experience healthy love and you would have experienced that from a very young age. Or was your parent in competition with you? Or could you not get their attention in any way except to do exactly what they wanted and exactly the way they wanted it to be done? Or were you parentified? You know, in the episode that I did not long ago on how narcissistic parents damage their children, I was talking about this. If you were parentified, it meant that your parents did what I call upside-down parenting. Healthy parents have the needs of their children, and they know that their job is to meet the needs of their children. That's healthy. But upside-down parenting is what troubled people do, is they think that the child is supposed to meet the needs of the parents. So a child is parentified by, at an early age, having to take on being the parent to their parents. That's unhealthy. So you wouldn't have experienced healthy love in that situation. So being in competition, having a parent jealous of you, having a parent not speak to you, none of those things are healthy. So you may not know how to decide on whether or not you had healthy love. And I want to give you some context for that. There's a book that I really love. It's called um, Eastern Body, Western Mind, written by Anodia Judith. And she said this very profound thing. I'll read it to you. She said, travesties of love occur when the most needed element of life, that's love, is twisted and torn, withheld, and used as a means of control. Without knowing what healthy love looks like, we have a hard time creating it in our lives. We hang on to mere shreds of love, sacrifice ourselves on its altar, and run in fear when we find it. Very important, we hang on to mere shreds of love. Want to keep that in mind because if you're used to getting mere shreds of love, you might think that that's healthy love, and it isn't. It isn't at all. So, as you reflect back, what kind of love did you receive in your early life? Did it make you feel wanted? Did it make you feel cherished? Did it make you feel special? Did it make you feel safe? Did you feel you could trust it? All very important points. So this business of having mere shreds of love is a bit like thinking that when someone gives you breadcrumbs, that that's actually a full meal. And if you think about it, people get very used to just being emotionally starved. So they think when someone gives them crumbs of love, that's a meal. But it isn't. And we have to calibrate that very carefully. We deserve to have the, as the Dairy Queen used to say, the full meal deal. And if we find that we're just, 
thinking that crumbs are all we deserve or we're very grateful for crumbs, we need to think about that again. We do. But you're not supposed to be starved. You're not supposed to be emotionally starved. You're supposed to get full meals. And if you're not receiving full meals, maybe you also are overgiving in the hopes of receiving a full meal from the other person. They may not have it to give you. That's a whole other topic that I talk about a lot. People who don't have love to give you. But I want this evening to be just about you deciding, do you know what healthy love is? Have you seen it in action? Are you experiencing it? Or have you missed it? And now I hope to encourage you to go out and create it and expect it and not settle for less. Because did your parent even experience healthy love? Because if they didn't, they don't have it to give to you. They may have worked hard on themselves and been able to give it to you, but it wasn't natural. It didn't come from their cup being filled. It came from their absolute desire to give you everything they had in the best way possible. Did your partner grow up in a situation where his or her parents could contribute healthy love? Because you can't get healthy love from someone who doesn't have it or hasn't experienced it and know what it is. I mean, that just makes sense. Now, of course, as I said, you can get healthy love from someone who recognized all the things I'm going to talk about today and made a very concerted, conscious effort to develop healthy love and to be able to experience it and express it and give it and receive it. And that's wonderful. Or maybe you had a parent or partner in your life that did experience healthy love and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So let's talk further about that. If both partners, even if they only got crumbs for their lives, if both partners recognize that they have had a life of crumbs and they want to learn to provide full meals, It's an enriching, extraordinary journey you can take together. And if one partner realizes they've only had crumbs and they don't know what to do with healthy love when it comes towards them, or they're only getting crumbs now and they realize it's not enough, then there'll be great things tonight for you too, because you need to become healthier and insist on those full meal deals. Really, you do. (laughs) It's very, very important. So my definition of a healthy relationship, this is my definition. After all the years that I've been working on this, I will share it with you. I will read it to make sure you get every ingredient. So my definition of healthy love is when there is an equitable balance between autonomy and intimacy It demonstrates equality and equity, reciprocity and mutuality, and it operates with honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability. And when it's a partnership, it is greater than the sum of its parts. So there it is. Healthy love has an equitable balance between autonomy and intimacy, 
It demonstrates equality, reciprocity, and mutuality, and operates with honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability. Then it is a partnership greater than the sum of its parts. Does that sound like something you'd like to continue experiencing or experience for the first time? or move into being able to give and receive that, that would be great. I hope everybody has their hands up and a big yes, because that's what's important. But I mentioned in that definition that we have that balance between autonomy and intimacy. So I want to make that very, very clear for you. Autonomy refers to a state of independence, a state where you get to decide who you are and what you do and what you like and what you become and how you interact. So autonomy is that. It's the right to be self-governing. It's understanding that you exist separately and apart from other people, and you have the right to do that. You have the right to determine who you are, to know what your values are, to know what your vision for your life is, to know what your beliefs are and your goals. You have that right. You have the right to take up space and draw breath. And with it comes that right to be autonomous, to have that state of independence. And when we have two independent people, who decide to come together, they come together to be interdependent. Not codependent, because you can't be autonomous and codependent. We want to have two independent people in the healthiest possible relationship, two independent people who choose to become interdependent and create a safe sanctuary for love and life. That's the ideal, in my opinion. And intimacy is marked by a warm, deep friendship filled with mutual regard and respect and contains those things that I mentioned, honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability. And that allows us to be safe and to relax into the relationship and know that we are mutually safe and create that mutual safety space. And intimacy marks close association. We often couple it with the idea of sex, and that may or may not be so, and that definitely is part of an intimate relationship. But we need to understand that that intimacy is is that safe space where you can get closer, where you can be vulnerable, where you can risk, where you can talk about deeper things. And so that's the examination of autonomy and balancing it with intimacy. Sometimes you need more space. Sometimes your partner needs more space. Sometimes you need more closeness. And you give that to each other. And it's like a game of catch. It's just going back and forth, back and forth between the two partners. And then the second part of my definition involves those three must-haves of a healthy adult relationship that I spoke about in episode 115, equality and equity, reciprocity and mutuality. I think we all know what equality and equity means. 
And we know what reciprocity means with the little caveat that I always add. It's not a tit for tat or a scoreboard. It is, it is simply knowing that you will be there for each other, give to each other what you have when you can give it, and that you can trust one another to do that. But mutuality is often misunderstood or not understood at all. And um, people always ask me, if they're going to ask me anything about those three things, they ask me, well, what does mutuality really mean? And it means having the same feelings for the each other. And it's characterized by intimacy, so close, warm association over time. And there you have the same feelings and carings and, and things with one another. But it's deeper than that. And I wrote quite a bit about it in Kaizen for Couples. And if Kaizen for Couples is something you'd like to read, you can get it in print and you can get it uh, on Kindle. And you can get it at kaizenforcouples.com. K-A-I-Z-E-N, or for my Canadian friends, K-A-I-Z-E-N, for, F-O-R, couples, with an S, dot com. KaizenForCouples.com. So in Mutuality, I wrote about it extensively to help with that definition because it's not a word that everybody uses. And the first thing I said about it in the book was mutuality is for emotional grown-ups. It's really important to know that because it's based on an interest in each other as a whole complex pair of people living in the present moment. So very important. I'm not going to read all of it to you, but here are the highlights. Mutuality demands much more from you both. It requires, requires your active interest in each other as different, complex, and fascinating individuals. What is important in mutuality is that you magnify your attunement and responsiveness to each other. You talk more, become more vulnerable and transparent with each other. You feel safe to share what is going on within you, with your partner, your thoughts, your feelings, your fears and desires. Empathy fosters this and you can continue to deepen that safety to become each other's safe sanctuary in the world. You must stay present to each other, though. When you value the process of knowing, respecting, and enhancing your own growth and that of your partner, you demonstrate that you value the relationship. You are not consciously or unconsciously manipulating each other to get a greater sense of gratification or satisfaction while overlooking the experiences, feelings, wants, and needs of your partner. Mutuality, then, is a two-way street with no obstacles, detours, or tempting parking places. It must flow unobstructed. A mutuality requires that we take care of each other. We're, we're caring. We cherish each other. You know, someone at once asked me, what do you really, really want? They were asking me, what do you really, really want from a relationship? And there were lots of things on my list, but one of them that surprised the person who asked was, I said, I want to feel cherished. 
don't you? You want to feel like you are that special person, special someone, and that they hold you in high regard and keep you safe. You know, it's really an important thing. And we need to have that safety to talk about our vulnerabilities or our fears or our concerns. We need to have that partner, that person in our life with whom we are going to be able to share that. And um, now when I say need, no, you don't need a partner. We all understand that. But if you have one, you need that partner to be safe. A person who will not take your vulnerabilities lightly and maybe weaponize them as people that I talk about as hijackals are well known for doing. But I wrote this in regard to that. Trampled grass often never recovers. Do not trample on your partner's vulnerabilities. Nothing could be further from demonstrating love. And that's where mutuality comes in, that we are going to keep each other precious, safe, um, looked after, looked into, curious about, there for each other, that we have those same feelings. It is mutual. One would do for the other as the other would do for them. It's a very deep growing, evolving relationship is very healthy. And then the, the last part of the definition before partnership is the idea of the, the relational gifts that I talk about in Kaizen for Couples, that we need to have and demonstrate honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability. Now, you can't give a gift you don't have. So if you're not honest with yourself, you can't be honest with another person. If you don't feel safe with yourself, you don't have safety to offer. If you don't trust yourself, you'll have difficulty trusting others. If you don't respect yourself and demonstrate that respect, you may have difficulty respecting others. And if you're not reliable and keep your promises to yourself, you may not believe that other people will keep their promises to you either. So we need to have a gift before we can give it. So we need to have honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability in the way that we interact with ourselves as part of the way that we care for ourselves. And then we can give it freely in the world. So those are things that I call the relational gifts in Kaizen for Couples, that we need to have them within ourselves in order to give them, because you can't give a gift you don't have. So when we start putting these things together, we start to recognize that these are the components, I hope we start to recognize that these are valuable components of healthy love. And then they all pertain to partnership. If you have those things, that equitable balance between autonomy and intimacy, you have the three must-haves, the equality and equity, reciprocity and mutuality. Then you have the relational gifts, honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability. Now we can entertain full partnership. We can actually be there for each other because our partner 
in an in an equal relationship, in a healthy love relationship, is the person who knows us and sees us and hears us and acknowledges us and um, appreciates us and accepts us as we are in the moment. We're always evolving. Hopefully we're growing, we're learning, we're getting better. But they accept us where we are. They don't have these big expectations that we should change or they're going to change us. That's a very poor context for healthy love. It doesn't exist. If someone was to change you, they don't accept you as you are. Now, I don't mean accept you as you are and you stay stuck there forever. I mean, accept you this minute. And then when you change a little, they accept you when you changed or you have a parent die and you go through something and it changes you and they accept that. And they continuously do that from that healthy love. And partnership requires that you have a person who has emotional maturity, enough emotional maturity that you could discuss anything with them. And they would be curious on your thoughts and and your reasoning, your insights. They would be interested. They would want to talk with you about that. And then a person with enough emotional maturity who wants to work on finding solutions to problems, who accepts responsibility for their part in things, they hold themselves accountable and don't mind when you do, and therefore they have the emotional maturity to solve a problem, to find a solution, to want to and therefore evolve the relationship in in greater ways. And that person who is excited to walk with you, to walk beside you, to walk ahead of you when you're afraid or you're tired, to walk behind you when you lead and give you that freedom to leave, that person who will do that throughout life, that is a partner. This equitable nature is really important. So I wanted to bring all these things to you tonight because I want you to know what healthy love is so that you can calibrate, am I experiencing it? Have I experienced it? Do I have it to give? Do you have it within yourself? Do you have it with another person? Do you feel it from another person? And hopefully the answer is yes, but Because you're in my audience, you may be questioning this. Am I really in a relationship that has a chance at healthy love? Or is it always going to be one-sided or lopsided? Or um, I am always going to come second? Or I'm always going to be at fault? Or I'm never going to feel as though I'm good enough because they're constantly going to tell me I'm not? And if we get into those relationships, they may be like the upside down relationship we may have had with the parent that we were supposed to be looking after the parent even when we were four years old because the parent's needs came first. Very upside down because the child's needs come first in a healthy relationship. And when you get into a healthy partnership, with another human, a person with whom you have decided and committed to life together. You want the love to be healthy. You want it to 
express all the things that I've spoken of today. And no, of course, not every minute is it going to be like that. <laughs> it isn't. But the shared goal to have it be like that, the shared intention to create that, the shared responsibility of creating that, that's exciting. I may be a little strange, but I believe that there's great excitement in the journey to creating a happy, healthy, safe, trusting relationship, and that everyone de definitely deserves to have healthy love in their life. And I hope that you take that on and know that you deserve to have healthy love in your life, as I've talked about this evening. Until we speak again, I hope you will take very good care of yourself. Treat yourself as though you're precious because you are and give healthy love to yourself. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash save your sanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.